Welcome back to another episode of Frogs Insider. We are a TCU podcast and part of the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football Network. I am Jamie Plunkett here as always with Melissa Treewasser. We've got a great show for you today. We're talking about TCU recruiting, both football and baseball, a little bit of Horn Frogs in the NBA as well. Conversation about Braden Taylor as he is jumping up draft boards as the Major League Baseball draft is coming up in just under two weeks. But first, Melissa. Jamie. How are you? You know, we, we were we were chatting before. Has it has it been a long period of time since we were last did this? You guys this are getting true? to I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you're getting to hear a lot of us over the, <laughs> the last couple of days. Um but yeah, no, it's it's been I had a long Monday, but you know, I am I am doing well. I'm got a little college world series game on the background. I know you do too. And do. little little bummed that we were yeah. LSU just scored again. It's now they just scored again, but somebody looked two. like they really hurt themselves, and that is unfortunate. It's not great. Uh, you not not in a 10-2 game. So we we were talking, you know, before we jumped on about the run differential, Jamie, and and you had an interesting proposal for what the future of college baseball should be that I think you're hundred percent behind. I'm fully, fully sponsoring the soccer methodology of goal differential mattering. And so technically, even though it's 10 to 2 LSU in this game, Florida still has a plus 11 run differential. So if the game ended right now, they would be national champions. Yeah, I think let's why not? Why not? Why not? But, you know, LSU has a pretty epic home field apparel line, as does Florida. And yes. I, I have a feeling that uh, one of those two teams after tonight is going to going to get some new home field apparel as well um is you know they've been known to to release a championship t-shirt or, or two when a when a team wins a, a national uh championship so mm-hmm. lsu potentially here a couple innings away from that um i won't be you know i don't i don't like to buy shirts for teams that that beat tcu um so i, I don't know that that i'll be supporting that but um, i'm always supporting home field apparel and i know you are too i know both of us have, have given a, a large portion of our um uh, checkbooks over to the good brand. Uh, they make absolutely the softest, the most beautiful apparel. I, I had some, mm-hmm. I had a big grad party weekend this past weekend. A couple of my students are going to home field schools. You know, I stocked up big time. There you to, go. To get the grad gifts out of the way, and and everybody was pretty happy. You love to see it. I will admit, I do actually have a desire to purchase one of the Florida Gators shirts. Yeah. They do have some um, good ones. There are a couple. I have one already. It's the old school Gator over the state of Florida. It says, here come the Gators. Mm-hmm. I have that one already. But the one that they just came out with um, that has the Florida tailgator. Oh. It's, the, it's a alligator in a lawn chair tailgating with like a sunset in the background. Is oh, yeah. That's going to be pretty hard to elite. Down. Well, pretty elite. Jamie, if you do decide to order that one and mm-hmm. shoot, you might be talking me into it as well. Uh, you know what you can do? You can use the code FROGSIN15 and you can save. Well, it's not your first purchase, so you can't save 15%, but you can get a 10% off every time you use that code. Support Frogs Insider. Use FROGSIN15. Save some money on the good brand. Buy the best collegiate, some of the best collegiate apparel you can find anywhere. Save a little money while you do so. It's a win-win. Yes. 15% off your first purchase with Frogs and 15, 10% off every purchase after that, which is cool. And that's a that's a, a difference from how these codes usually worked. Normally when they're doing promos, codes only work for specific schools and they only work once. But the deal we've got with Homefield Apparel through Dave Campbell's Texas Football and the Republic of Football Network means that our code lasts into perpetuity. You can use it as many times as you want. And after the first time, you will get 10% off every time. Which is pretty cool. Pretty considering, awesome. You know, I, I make yeah, a lot considering of Considering how yeah. frequently you're you're buying home field, it's it's a good deal for you specifically, Melissa. Mm-hmm. So a lot of home field in the wardrobe. Absolutely. But hey, let's jump into the reason that we're potting tonight. Let's talk a little TCU football recruiting because it is Melissa, it's hundred and one degrees right now. It's seven fifty-two in the evening on Monday night here in the state of Texas. It's very hot. Um, but it is not as hot as Sonny Dykes and the Horn Frogs have been on the recruiting well trail for the last well two weeks. Well done. Well Seven, done. 
Thank you. Seven commitments in the last two weeks, technically 13 days at the time of recording this episode. Um, seven in the last 14 days. That's one every other day. They're actually on a streak right now of three days in a row getting a, a commitment, which is pretty cool um, for both the 24 and 25 classes. Um, it's really nice to see this kind of surge right now from a recruiting perspective, because I think about a month ago, we were kind of all looking around and looking at the recruiting class and thinking, okay, TCU just came off of a national championship appearance. They're now one of seven teams in college football to have won a college football playoff game. You know, they're, they're, the, the momentum is as good on from an on-field perspective as it could probably be. But there are only four commitments in this 2024 class. Mm-hmm. What's, what's going on? Why, why is the recruiting class not coming together? What's, are they slow playing people? Are they taking their time? Are they missing out on some bigger names? Like what's going on here? And I think the reality is, is that they were really doing that second thing. They were taking their time with a couple of guys waiting for some guys to take visits, waiting for some guys to get on campus. They obviously had their big DFW showcase about a month ago. Uh, they've had some invite only smaller uh, camps since then as well where they've extended a couple offers to some guys. Um, but if you look at TCU's 2024 class right now, they've got nine commitments, five of whom are four-star athletes, 42 overall in the team rankings. But at this point, they're still kind of lagging behind as far as number of recruits go. And so that's going to drop them down in the 24-7 sports rankings a little bit. If you look at their average uh, commitment rate, ranking, they are second in the big 12 behind Oklahoma mm-hmm. for like the quote unquote quality rating quality over of, quantity. Exactly. Yeah. So we're in a quality over quantity situation. It would feel right now for TCU. That's not going to stay that way though. They do have their eyes on a bunch of diff- different guys. This class will not, not be nine uh, comes early signing day in December, but Melissa, I wanted to talk uh, a co- about a couple of these guys. Julian Knox got things going on, on June 13th, a cornerback from North Crowley, uh, about 20 minutes, if that, from TCU uh, makes his commitment. Really cool to see a kid local, right? So there's this like whole movement from Sonny Dykes to not build a fence around DFW, but just be intentional about recruiting DFW really yeah. well. And Julian Knox is, is one of the latest to kind of hop on board. And you're going to see a trend with this class in 2024 where they've got uh, Julian Knox, Tobias Steps, who's been committed since the middle of May, uh, House Haney, who is from Alito. So like three guys out of the nine right there are less than half an hour away from campus. Uh, and then you've got another kid who just committed a couple days ago in Nate Palmer, a four-star running back from Decatur, who's what, 45 minutes away. And so, you know, almost 50% of this recruiting class right now is from the DFW area. Uh, just another indicator of what TCU is prioritizing as far as recruits go. Um, so Knox joined joined up on the 16th, committed to the Horn Frogs, cornerback uh, from North Crowley. He he had some pretty good offers. He he picked TCU uh, over North Texas over Grambling State. Some more of these local offers, uh, Texas State, UTSA. Um, he was a pretty uh, low rated recruit, but he just was down in, um, I believe it was college station for a seven on seven camp where he really shined against some of the top, uh, talent in the state of Texas. And so his, uh, prospects are looking really good. He got a lot of high praise from the folks that were down there evaluating guys. Low rating or not. I mean, this is a big corner. Yes. This is a, a six tall foot dude. two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rangy. Athletic. This is where you're starting to see a difference in Joe Gillespie's defense versus Gary Patterson's defense. Gary really liked those smaller corners, 5'9", 5'10", 5'11". You're probably not going to see a cornerback on this roster moving forward that's uh, that's shorter than 5'11", 6 yeah. feet tall. He likes the taller corners. He likes the guys that can be a little bit more physical, uh, have a little bit more verticality to them. Now, you do have exceptions like Trey Tomlinson, who just won the sure. Thorpe Award right at 5'7", 5'8". Um, but realistically, you know, as the league shifts a little bit um, and, and as college football shifts a little bit, you're seeing 
cornerbacks get bigger. Uh, if you go look at TCU's roster right now, I don't think they have any corners listed under 5'11". I mean, the quarter the quarters are getting bigger. The quarterbacks are getting shorter. It's fine. Like everything, <laughs> it's, fine. It's, it's fine. Everything's it's great. It's fine. Linemen are catching passes. Pets' heads yeah. are falling off. Everything's going great. Um, but after Knox, I, I mentioned him already. Nate Palmer uh, committed on the 16th of June. Palmer is a four-star running back, 5'10 and a half, 185 out of Decatur. Uh Really, really talented kid already closing in on 40 offers total. Uh, some big, big, big time offers for this kid. Mm-hmm. He's got, I mean, you you point at a school, he's got the offer. Notre Dame, OU, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Oregon, Penn State, Tennessee, Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Utah, uh, North Carolina, Mizzou, Michigan State, Miami, Houston, Florida State. Duke, Cincy, Cal, Baylor, Auburn, Arizona, Arkansas, right? Like, I mean, he's, you, you pointed a school. He's probably got that offer at this point. Um, Has a really, really good relationship with TCU's running backs coach, Anthony Jones. Uh, Loves the culture at TCU. Uh, And actually in an article written on uh, DaveCampbells.com today, uh, did a little interview where he talked about, um, some of the things that um, attracted him to TCU. And one of the things that he said was, um, where did it go? Pulling this up right now. Uh, He says, quote, let me start with Sonny Dykes. I feel like I can talk to that man whenever I need to, whenever I need something, I can call him. I'll check in on him and he'll check in on me. We just have a great relationship. And every time I get down there, it's good vibes. Um, He also mentioned that as soon as he made his commitment and made it public, uh, all of the current commits threw him in a group ta- group chat. So they're all in a group chat together, congratulating awesome. each other, swapping socials. And then also, which I thought was really cool, we um, they, they've started to kind of plot about who they're going to go out and recruit to get huh. to join this class together. Love that. So it sounds like you've got a group of guys that are committed to this thing already that are going to be really active in getting players in the door as well, uh, which is always good to have. And normally you see like a quarterback doing that. And I know Haas Haney's doing that for this class a little bit, um, but it's cool to see that it's kind of a collective effort at this point uh, to try and build energy around this, uh, this recruiting class. That's so pretty cool. Well, and you, when you see a guy with that many offers and you're this far out from him actually being able to sign, you know, one of the things to pay attention to is, is what has this kid already done? And he's already been on almost a handful. I think you get five official visits, right? And he's, he's already taken, I know some of the rules have changed, but mm-hmm. he's taken four official visits already this summer. He took them all kind of close together, it appears as well. And so it's not like he's committed to TCU to get some attention from some other places. He's had attention from a lot of these big schools, including Duke, Arkansas, uh, you know, USC, where he's taken his official visits, checked out those campuses and still came back home to TCU and said, no, that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it, that's pretty cool to see. I mean, these are the types of players we're going to talk about another one here in a couple minutes at the skill position. That's why you hire Sonny Dykes. Yeah. You know that that you go out to get these super elite top level running backs, wide receivers. Talk about quarterback a little bit later too, um, but but these guys that might not otherwise have thought about playing in a, a defense first system, they see Sonny Dykes and they know they're going to have a chance to to accumulate yards, accumulate touchdowns. They're going to be in an offensive friendly system that's that's going to let them show out and and keep their name in the NFL draft boards without using up too much tread on the tires. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and one of the reasons for that is, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, is Dykes has a really good process for recruiting classes kind of as a whole. He wants to get three or four offensive linemen, a handful of defensive linemen, a quarterback, a couple wide receivers, a couple running backs, a couple corners. Like He wants to recruit essentially an entire football team every class. And so you're seeing that come together now a little bit better in the 2024 class, similar to what we saw in 2023 as well before we talk about the other running back that committed recently though i do want to talk a little bit about a tight end who has the most tight end name i think i've heard in quite some time cole snodgrass out of college park in the woodlands snodgrass is a guy who kind of came onto the radar a little bit more recently for tcu didn't get his offer until about a month ago um from the horned frogs actually picked up his offer on june 12th so less than uh you know two, three full weeks ago, um, made his visit to TCU, camped at TCU at an invite-only camp. I was actually out there that afternoon. And I'll tell you this, Melissa, he was the most physically dominating tight end I've mm. seen in a minute, just in, in so far as 
when they're doing one-on-one drills, and obviously they're doing it without pads on, uh, he is getting in the face of the linebacker, getting really physical, bumping them off of their uh, off of the route, off of the point of contact, and not letting that affect his route running at all. So he's a super physical guy. He was it, some of the linebackers that were lined up against him were visibly frustrated because of how much contact he was making with them. Um, all legal contact, all good contact, um, but they just you could tell that they, these guys were not used to that. Um, maybe in this setting or, or just at, at all of a tight end being that aggressive and being willing to go out and kind of hunt some contact to create mm-hmm. space. Um, he picked up an offer uh, pretty quickly after that camp ended uh, and, and committed um, a day or two after that. So good addition, lower rated tight end who I'm sure we'll see as he goes through his senior year, probably jump up in the ratings a, a little bit. Number 68 at his position right now for the class of 2024. Um, but he's 6'4", 215, got a good frame, uh, really physical kid. And it'll be cool to see, you know, what his ratings do as, as he starts to come on the scene a little bit more. One of two power five offers for him right now, the other one being Purdue. So uh, really good job by, by Sonny and the staff of, of identifying him um, when no one else really had. And with that frame too, you know, like you expect that he's going to play tight end, but that frame, that physicality, you know, he's, he's a guy that might be able to move over into the line somewhere down the line, potentially if tight end doesn't work out, but mm. you know, hopefully he's a kid who has a big, has a big senior season and uh, gets a little bit more attention, <laughs> a little bit more respect from the ratings, but stays committed to TCU. Yeah. That's the thing, right? It's like, as, as we kind of move down this line, we're going to talk about a pair of 2025 kids and and the name of the game is, all right, now you've got them committed. Yeah. Now you got to hold on to them till signing yeah. day. And for, for this, this 2025 class of kids who are rising juniors currently, that's going yeah. to be a long haul to, to keep them committed, but you celebrate them while you got them and, and hopefully you get them to sign on the dotted line when time comes. Um, but after, after Snodgrass, we got Jeremy Payne, uh, another running back four-star kid, Highly, highly rated, second highest rated kid in the class currently for TCU in, in the 2024 class from Hightower uh, out of Missouri City. Um, 5'10, 170 pounds, four star kid, currently rated uh, number 17 at, at his position at running back, number 246 overall recruit in this class, and number 47 in the state of Texas. He committed on the 18th of June, just a couple days after Nate Palmer did. Um, really good to see. TCU get two elite running backs in this class because we've mm-hmm. seen how TCU has thrived with not necessarily the running back by committee format recently, but guys who are, are capable of coming in and contributing when their number is called. We saw that that this year with Dee Mercado and Kendra Miller. We saw it last year with Kendra Miller and Zach Evans. We've seen it in the past with, with three-headed running attacks or in the early 2000s with TCU. So going back quite a ways, going back pretty much until LT, we have seen TCU employ a running backs by committee approach, um, and it looks like that's not going to be changing anytime soon with getting these running backs uh, in the fold. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And like you, like you talked about, you've seen with injuries too. You know how important at that position, and now with with what the way the the NFL has kind of devalued the running back. I mean, you see a, a Dalvin Cook kind of on the on the cusp of his prime get released. You want to make sure you can keep these guys fresh. You want to give them opportunities to shine, but you don't want to wear mm-hmm. them out if they're only going to have a chance to get one or two contracts at the next level. You also don't necessarily have to think about that quite so much when they're coming into college. But that's a good selling point. Sonny Dykes, you know, say, listen, I had, I had two guys, you know, I have an early round draft pick and, you know, a, a, a camp invite guy because both of them had the opportunity to prove themselves, you know, every single day on, on our football team. And now mm-hmm. they're both got an opportunity to prove themselves with the pros. So um, it really exciting to see the, the caliber of skill position player coming in, what they've been able to do at, at running back um, wide receiver and, and quarterback. And I know we've got some more of those guys to talk about. Yeah, we do. Uh, but I think you make an interesting point there because one of the things that I think Sonny Dykes has been reiterating all spring as he's been doing these camps, as he's had kids in for visits, is one of his kind of final messages at all of these camps is, hey, you know, you, you might be asking yourself, like, what do I need to do to get to be able to play football at this level or get to play football beyond high school? Um, and his message is pretty simple. It's, you know, be a good teammate and help your team win. He's like, if you're picking up your teammate, if you're doing all the right things, if you're staying hydrated and going to class and making sure that your teammates are, are doing what they need to be doing, and if you're, you're picking everybody up, um, making sure everybody's doing what needs to be done and your team is successful, that's when you're going to start to get noticed. And he pointed at TCU uh, last season as the perfect example because we had eight guys drafted. We had a bunch more invited to NFL mini camps, rookie mini camps. 
because we had a successful season. You know, we went to the college football playoff, we made it to the national championship, we beat Michigan in the game, right? All of these things helped our guys individually who were talented guys. We knew they were talented. Winning helped them get noticed by yeah. some folks that maybe hadn't noticed them before. And so that's kind of the message that Sonny has given to these kids too is if you're doing all the right things and you're taking care of what you need to take care of and you're helping your teammates do the same thing, the, the success will come and the recognition will come from that as well, which I thought was a, a pretty cool message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, we've seen what a difference that's made for TCU is just having the opportunity to be on that big stage. And that hundred percent filters down to the individual players, especially mm-hmm. those older players. Um, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit with in baseball with a, a guy who's rising up the draft boards. And I think it, a lot of it's the same thing when, yeah. when things are rolling, right. They all right, roll, right. And, and that's going to absolutely benefit the um, you know, every single individual player, whether you're the one getting all the touches or not. I mean, Darius Davis is getting drafted because Quentin Johnston opened things up for him. Quentin Johnston's first round draft pick because you know, it, it all, it all comes together. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's exciting to kind of start, you know, thinking about what that's going to look like a few years from now too, with, with this group of guys. Yeah. I expect we're going to see a, a couple more of those NFL banners hanging in the indoor facility yeah. here pretty quickly with, with all the guys that Sonny's starting to put into the league. And yeah, like hopefully that does continue. Uh, Payne's got 23 offers as well. So you, you combine his and Palmer's offers and the two commits to TCU for at the running back position holds 60 offers currently, um, which is, is pretty impressive. Some of those are overlap, right? The A&M, Oregon, Oklahoma. But when we're starting to talk about that caliber of program, traditionally that they're holding those offers and picking TCU and staying close to home. uh, it, It says a lot about where the program is right now for TCU. Um, right after, uh, Payne's commitment, or I guess a couple days later, um, the current highest rated commitment for TCU, um, made his announcement public that he was coming to TCU. That's Ja'Kyle Baker, the six foot two wide receiver from Brownsboro, Texas He's the number 23 overall player in the state, number 17 wide receiver in this class nationally rated by 24 seven sports as the number 91 overall player in the class. So top 100 player. Uh, committed to TCU, has a great relationship with Malcolm Kelly. As we've seen, Malcolm Kelly has been able to bring in elite wide receiver talent ever since he's been the wide receiver coach. Uh, Before this season, also received a little bit of a title bump. He is now the assistant head coach as well, which is nice. Um, I'm sure that comes with a little bit of a raise for all the work that he's been doing. Um, Good guy to keep around, Malcolm Kelly. Uh, And he's bringing in some some incredible talent. It's interesting because, because Ja'Kyle is a kid who doesn't have a ton of offers. He's holding 14 offers. They're all quality, right? I mean, you're talking Tennessee, Texas, Oregon, Kansas State, Texas A&M, Auburn, Oklahoma State. I mean, he's got a Baylor offer too. Um, can't, you know, Baylor, yeah. Baylor's going to offer. Whatever. But, yeah. um, but you know, I, I think one of the things that really helped TCU out here is the fact that his cousin is one, and this is a name, I, I wonder if you remember this name, Melissa, Quintilly Harmon. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is Kyle Baker's older cousin. That's awesome. Uh, they're both still out in East Texas. And um, Harmon was at a camp recently hyping up Ja'Kyle. And uh, I think that connection may have helped TCU almost as much as uh, Malcolm Kelly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that we've seen that legacy. And again, you know, I think, I think Gary Patterson did a nice job with this and Sonny Dykes has fully embraced that too, of keeping those alum back in the fold at TCU and opening the doors to those guys, keeping them around, keeping them connected. And it doesn't hurt either when you're making a run like the frogs did last year, those alum mm-hmm. are the first ones to jump on board and celebrate it. I mean, we saw alums coming out of the woodwork on social media to talk about TCU last year. It's, it's a, it's a much easier sell when you, you get to talk about having such a great experience yourself. And then you've got a, a cousin or a son. We're, we're at that age now. We're going to start seeing sons of guys we watched play get recruited. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that I mean it, it's yeah we're 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 there. Uh, so that, that's super cool. I'll, I'll tell you what. I lo- There's a lot to like about this kid just from an athletic standpoint. But he's a multi-sport athlete. He's mm-hmm. a winner. Um, you know he he's he's excelled at track. He's excelled on the basketball court. Um, he does a lot of things well. He's not just a sprinter, although he is fast is fast so he's fast also, yeah. so fast but he's also um uh, like a, a high jumper which is which is mm-hmm. kind of cool and a long jumper so yeah he, he doesn't just have that speed and that direct that straight direction speed he's gonna have that quick twitch as well um and i think that that's mm-hmm. where we're seeing the game move to being able to, to change directions that quickly and 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 get to an open spot um beat a guy off the line those types of things it's it's going to be it's going to be really fun to watch this kid operate i mean it's super easy and lazy to compare him to quentin johnston but 
It also, you know, he's he's big and long and and speedy and has has the ball ball skill. He's not quite as tall as QJ, but um, th- that's one where you saw a lot of eyebrows kind of raise when when he committed to TCU because, like you said, he doesn't have the huge long offer list, but every offer he has is one of those schools where you're like, wow, TCU beat this school out for this highly re- rated kid. Malcolm Kelly, you, I don't care what they're paying him; it's not enough. Give him a raise. You yeah. can afford it. You can afford it, Jeremiah. Give him a raise. Give, give Malcolm Kelly a raise.com yeah, to start that website. Him and Paul Gonzalez, give them all the money that they want. Like, I'm mm-hmm. so glad that they kept those two guys around. Like, just keep, yeah. just pay those dudes. Doug Meacham as well. Shout mm-hmm. out to Doug. Uh, one, of the big, Doug. one of the big pieces in identifying Snodgrass, who yeah. has the best football name in this recruiting class, hands down. Sure. Um, sure. Baker with 102 receptions, 1,793 yards, and 20 receiving touchdowns in his two years on varsity in high school. I don't know if you're doing math right now, Melissa, but that's a touchdown every fifth catch essentially for him in two seems seasons. Good. So feels yeah, seems, good. Yeah. Feels good to have Jacob Baker in the fold for TCU. Now you just got to keep this class together, keep adding to it, make sure they all sign on the dotted line come December. Um, but TCU didn't stop there, not with the 2024 class. They got two incredibly key pieces to the 2025 class over the weekend as well. Um, two guys who uh, could realistically end up both as top 100 prospects in the 2025 class before things were all said and done. One is currently a top 100 prospect. We're going to start talking about the other guy first. The first guy to commit, he he pledged to the TCU Horn Frogs on Saturday afternoon. Ty Hawkins, a quarterback out of Claudia Taylor Johnson High School in San Antonio, Texas, six foot, 185 pounds. This is where you're. Uh, quarterback height joke from earlier kind of rolls in. He's six feet, 185. Uh, not the tallest guy, not the smallest quarterback TCU would have on the roster probably at that point nope. in time either. Um, number 10 quarterback in the country, according to 24-7 Sports, uh, number 31 player in the state, number 192 overall. He has been one of the most impressive recruits on the seven-on-seven trail this month. He was up in Ohio State at a seven-on-seven camp where he was throwing to the other guy that we're going to talk about in just a moment um, and really turned some heads and impressed a lot of folks there did the same thing down in South Texas this weekend, uh, slinging the ball all over. He is a two sport athlete as well. He plays baseball um, and he has one of the most kind of casually strong throwing arms I've seen in a long time. Uh, He can, he, it takes minimal effort for the ball to fly out of his hand. It's really impressive. He's holding, uh, again, a smaller list of offers, but still some really good schools. He's already got Ole Miss. He's already got Oregon. He's got Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Um, Houston and Baylor are on that list as well. And TCU goes down to San Antonio and finds their 2025 quarterback. Uh, a good key piece to get this early in the cycle for 2025, Melissa, I think, because like I mentioned earlier, quarterbacks are going to be pretty critical to getting other guys on board. Well, and it's especially in the the transfer portal era too, you got to get the quarterbacks, you got to stock the quarterbacks because you know the chances of them all staying once they get there are slim. So the more talented guys you have in the pipeline, the more talented guys that are coming that are willing to come in and compete against the other talented young guys, I mean it's a huge deal. And mm-hmm. you know, as we talk about these these 2025 commits, to me, this is where the run to the national championship is really starting to show um its dividends, right? Because I, I don't think there was any doubt TC was going to recruit 2024 well. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the expectation, especially offensively. But when you can start bringing in highly rated key pieces in that 2025 class, which for TCU, June is historically early. To mm-hmm. start signing in 2020. I mean, we we haven't seen multiple guys committed. This I, I think we actually have done this before, where we went back to find out. And and I want to say it was it was another quarterback, um, the, the kid that he ended up transferring to. Um, I can see him. I cannot remember his name. It wasn't that long ago. But um, you know, when you can have multiple guys, especially multiple four star guys, recruited in June, you know, a, a year and a half before they can sign on the dotted line, and that that group message starts. And yeah. those guys start talking to who they're exactly going to talk, want to talk to. That's that's where the momentum really starts to build. And and I don't know if you're getting that level of recruit this early at TCU if you aren't playing on the national stage for as long as TCU did this past season. And you know, I think too, in a in a season where we're seeing coaching turnover happen so frequently, and TCU yeah. experiencing some of that this offseason as well, uh, to be able to put that together, get that staff full. 
and have the success that you're having right now is, is a pretty impressive feat. And I, th- I think it all goes back to Sonny Dykes ultimately, and yeah. just his mentality of how he's constructing his staff and how he's kind of the CEO overseer of everything. And he's delegating a lot and he's trusting his guys to, to do their jobs and to do their jobs really well. Um, something that I think TCU fans are, are still maybe adjusting to yeah. a little bit. Um, but Hawkins, sure. Hawkins uh, is pretty, pretty interesting, not only because he's a two-sport athlete and can throw the ball really far and has a lot of velocity behind it, but he's incredibly mobile as well. Yeah. So we're starting to see the type of quarterback that TCU is really wanting to recruit these days. It's that maybe not the, the standard height and size, but absolutely fleet of foot if you will, this is the, they want guys that can move in the pocket, that can roll out, that can run with the football. Um, nobody as big as KJ Jefferson. I don't yeah. think that that's Kendall Bryles ideal quarterback size, uh, but it's definitely the, the right uh, blend of being able to throw the football and being able to move around with your feet as well. Hawkins threw for 20 over 2,100 yards and 30 touchdowns as a sophomore and ran for just shy of 900 yards and six more touchdowns. So Definitely kind of fits that dual threat mold that TCU is looking for these days. Yeah, and, and he's a kid who, you know, kind of sees the forest for the trees and, and wants to be a part of building TCU into the flagship university of the Big 12 mm-hmm. once Texas and Oklahoma leave. And, um, you know, the, these kids are so much more aware of the the politics of college football than they were even a few years ago. I think that's, very I think true. that's something that they pay attention to and something that's important to them. And, you know, we've talked about this before. We'll continue to talk about it. A year from now, when we're looking at the quote unquote new Big 12, mm-hmm. TC is not going to have any excuse to not be, you know, annually holding kind of the flag bearer and, and the, the banner waiver for this conference going forward. And if they can continue to sign high caliber guys, recruit high caliber guys and get high caliber guys talking positively about TCU on 247, on Dave Campbell's, on on three, on all of these places, those kids read that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And they they see they see, you know, uh, a Ty Hawkins come in and, and talk about why he wants to go to TCU and and what he thinks that school can be in the future. That's going to resonate with them. And, and that's what's going to ultimately turn you into annually a top top 25, top 20, maybe even top 15 recruiting program. And that's what you're going to need to be if you're TCU in this new version of the Big 12 competing for one of those 12 playoff spots annually. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. And, you know, right now I know it's, it's ridiculously, it's way too early to be talking about it, but right now TCU does have the number six overall class for 2025. And that's not a, that's not a bad place to start, right? Like obviously, I mean, it would be a dream if they ended up sixth overall when, when signing day comes for 2025. But the fact that you're there right now, the fact that you've got two guys in, we're about to talk about the second guy who are elite at their position, both important positions to bring in, Um, Both have a good relationship with each other and are wanting to hit that recruiting trail pretty hard for the class of 25. Uh, This is as good of a start as you could have hoped for for this class. Well, and and look, you know, not to take too much of a tangent here, but look what it did for Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. You know, they they very briefly held the number one recruiting spot for for what was it? The the class of 2023. Right. But it just off of sheer quantity. Um, But people started talking about Texas tech. And when, when the big 12 media poll comes out here pretty soon, Texas tech is going to be third on a lot of people's ballots or fourth on a lot of people's ballots. Cause everybody's heard everybody talking about Texas tech because of what they did early in that recruiting cycle, because people like Joey McGuire, it's, it's, you know, we, we talked about this last year so much too. It's all about getting your school notoriety for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And these recruiting rankings mean absolutely nothing for 2025 today with two guys, but People are looking at that list saying, oh, TC's got a top 10 class for 2025, and they're not going to talk about who's in it, how many guys are in it. You're just going to hear over and over again, TC has a top 10 class for 2025. And that's it. We, we've had unparalleled success for TCU over the course of the last academic year, but you're still TCU. And so you don't get to just rest on your laurels. You have to keep fighting to continue to keep yourself in the spotlight. And those are the types of things. That's what college football is all about now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that gambling lines. So you know, it's, it, we that. don't want to mess with those. So we're going to be really happy about the recruiting for now. Exactly. My, yeah, I just need, I just need it to be legal in Texas. That's all I need. <laughs> um, but Ty Hawkins um, is, you know, we talked about, I, I'm sounding pretty repetitive at this point. Quarterbacks are really important for the rest of the recruiting class for a variety of reasons. Specific to 2025, Ty Hawkins is really important for why the next guy committed one day mm-hmm. later. That's Adrian Wilson, 
wide receiver out of Pflugerville Weiss. Uh, he is the number uh, 11 overall player in the state of Texas, number 14 overall wide receiver, number 87 uh, player nationally for the class of 2025. He is a high four-star kid who could end up as a five-star kid, right? Like oh. very, very easily could end up as a five-star kid. What? What's I, that I, you say? I think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on, I, with what I've seen from Ty Hawkins so far, from what I've heard from folks who know this industry far better than I do, uh, they would not be surprised to see Ty uh, Ty Hawkins end up at, at close to a five star rating as well, just f- from a percentage standpoint, because of and we're still what he's been able to do. We're still waiting on that magic sauce of signing still a five star out of high school. But Wilson has Wilson has a good offer list as well. Uh, Ole Miss is on every offer list that you see for a TCU player right now. Oregon, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Arizona State, uh, Texas A&M's in there as well. Utah as well. A couple others beyond that. Um, but Wilson committed to TCU, and he said openly that part of the reason he committed was because of his relationship with Ty Hawkins. They're very close. They've been at a lot of these seven-on-seven camps together. Um, they've impressed a lot of people together. Uh, and, you know, that is important, right? You talked about yeah. get in group text together and, and making sure that you guys are active together. And also the relationship with uh, Malcolm Kelly doesn't hurt at all, right? Yeah. Because he's been the, the lead recruiter for Wilson as well. I will say this. Um, we talked about Jacob Baker's cousin being Quintilly Harmon. Uh, Adrian Wilson has a, a pretty well-known cousin as well. That's former Texas Tech and current uh, Las Vegas Raider. Tyree Wilson, the number seven oh, overall pick no in way. This, this last NFL draft is okay, Adrian Wilson's that. older cousin. So uh-huh. you've got uh, not, a, not a true legacy for Texas Tech, but you've got a, a relative of a top 10 pick in the most recent NFL draft not going to his cousin's school but coming to yours. Uh, and, and that's a fun little kind of recruiting win, yeah. I think, right there. Especially when it's an offensive skill player in a, a, a mm-hmm. school that's known for producing pretty pretty good offensive skill players with that position. That is a nice little nugget to have. So, you know, he's, he's well, another kid, track star, um, also does high jump, that kind of stuff. Super athletic kid, uh, already standing at six foot two, probably going to grow a little bit more still as a rising junior. So this is definitely a, a huge, huge pickup for for TCU and and with Adrian and Ty both, this is this is where the long game comes in, right? Let's have some success in 2024. Yeah. Let's keep them keep them locked in and, and let's build build a big class around them. Is, is going to be the mentality for TCU yeah. moving forward. Hey, but like we said, the best thing is is the best thing right now, and mm-hmm. all of this momentum is is just going to be positive things. You got to go finish the job. You got to do your job. You got to get some wins. But there's plenty of reason to be excited um, about the future and about. You know what Sonny Dykes is proving he can do on the recruiting trail now having the resources that he has at PC that are resources he didn't get to experience in his first several stops of his coaching career. So yeah. uh, they, they gave him they basically gave him the the big, you know, open checkbook and said, don't screw it up. And so far, it seems like he's uh, being a pretty good steward of the resources he's got. Yeah, I mean, from a recruiting perspective, from an on-field performance perspective, yeah, from a facilities, not a lot of facilities perspective, <laughs> you know, they just sealed up an $80 million uh, investment for a uh, new weight room, new recovery facilities and all that kind of stuff, which keeps your really good strength and conditioning coach around. Right. So, yeah. you know, uh, all of it, uh, it's very clear at this point that Sonny Dykes has a master plan. And in the first, you know, I mean, what has it been 20 months yeah. as head coach? Uh, he's executing it pretty, yeah. pretty flawlessly. The, the vision, the vision was strong and the vision is being seen through. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, that's a, a quick football recruiting update. There are going to be some more kids coming down the pipe specifically for 2024 here in the next couple of weeks and months. So we'll keep you all up to date on all of that. Um, but Melissa, we, we want to turn our attention to a little bit of baseball right now. I think yeah. don't we? we've got a little bit of recruiting news there, potentially recruiting Possibly. rumors, rumor rumors. season, there, rumor there, mill. there, there is some smoke. Coming out of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. I see what you did there. Yeah, no, you're you're welcome. Uh, the the fire hasn't quite been lit, but uh, Jamie, if I if I told you that one of the elite pitchers in college baseball had supposedly put his name in the transfer portal, was thinking about it, and if he were to enter the transfer portal, supposedly he likes what he sees coming out of the little school in Fort Worth. What what would your interest level be in a kid like that? Pretty interested. Yeah, I'd be if pretty I t- interested. You'd be pretty interested if, if I told you this kid was 
one of the elite SEC pitchers who had an outstanding performance in the College World Series and I believe is is only a uh, what is he a, 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 a sophomore right second year player he'll he'll be draft eligible a year from now so you're guaranteed at least one year service from this kid and I told you that the smoke coming out of the home of Smokey the mascot and his last name was Burns. <laughs> I nice. mean, like you can't you can't write this stuff. You can't write it. Um, you can't. Chase, Chase Burns is apparently exploring transferring mm-hmm. and entering the transfer portal. Um, and and you know, like I said, this is one of the best arms in college baseball. Uh, and I know you've got quite a bit bit of background on this kid, but one time starter, came a reliever, kind of a, a shutdown closer, a kid that can throw triple digits. Um, but apparently is looking for for either a, a different situation, a different scenario, or a different role, and maybe wants to be coached up by one of the best pitching coaches who also happens to be the manager of TCU baseball. Yeah, so I I, um, I got a phone call on Friday night from a person I've known for a really long time, not not affiliated with TCU, kind of called me out of the blue. It's one of those where you kind of look at your phone, you're like, oh, that's it. I haven't talked to them in a while. Uh, you pick it up, and... Um, uh, Low, just long story short, uh, he wanted to let me know that uh, apparently Chase Burns is filing the paperwork to enter the transfer portal. Um, and there was apparently on his end an interest in TCU. That's that's what I heard on Friday night. I got on the internet, which is always you know a risky maneuver. Um, and saw some confirmation that he had filed paperwork, that he was thinking about it. I will say this. As of Monday at about noon, he had not officially entered the portal yet. So realistically, right? Like, like no conversations have happened. No, not, no back and forth has happened. None of that recruitment style stuff has happened yet for, pretty much, for anyone as far as I know um, to get Chase Burns to leave Tennessee and go to their school. What I do know is that based on the conversation I had on Friday night, Burns was a little bit disappointed in his role in his move to the bullpen uh, and was looking for opportunities to maybe start somewhere else. Um, Again, that's one person that I trust who has said all that stuff. Um, But realistically, you know, he's not in the portal yet. So all the stuff that people are seeing on Twitter, all the stuff that people are reading on message boards feels pretty premature um, because a guy's got a, actually get into the portal before yeah. any of that that kind of stuff can happen. Now, if Chase Burns were to enter the portal, I am fairly positive that every school in the country is going to be interested in trying to get Chase Burns to come to yeah. their school. Because yeah. like you said, he's a guy, he's a four-pitch guy. He's got a fastball that runs up to 102. He's got a slider that breaks off and got an incredible spin rate. He's still working on a curveball and a, and a split finger pitch. So he's still kind of developing his third and fourth pitches in his arsenal, which is part of the reason Tennessee moved him to the bullpen this year. If you go and you look at his eight starts, the first eight appearances of 2023, he'd looked really good in the first four in non-conference. Then he got into SEC play and things kind of fell apart for him a little bit. He, he allowed at least five runs in all four of those starts in conference play, finished his eight starts with a little bit above a six ERA and a whip around 1.3, which is pretty high for a whip. Yeah. Um, but in the 10 appearances that he made in the bullpen this year, which amount to a little over 30 innings, is a 1.79 ERA, a whip under one. Um, uh, and he's he's been able to flash all of the potential that he's had since he was a senior in high school and, and even younger than that. Um, and so I think when you th- – and obviously his College World Series appearance against Stanford where he went six innings, allowed only two hits, struck out nine. Um <clears throat> Looked all like he had all of the makings of an elite starter going into the 2024 season. Like you mentioned, he's got one year before he's draft eligible, and MLB uh, all of the all of the mock drafts, all of the top prospects lists for 2024 already pretty much have him listed as a top 10 prospect going into that draft. So this would be a one year opportunity for whatever school gets him. Um, and yeah, I, I like I said, I, as soon as he actually hits the portal. Would not be shocked at all if TC would was to uh, to reach out and, and give him their pitch. I, I so would not. I would. Ha, 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 you did it, TSC. 
Um, I would not at all hate a Friday, Saturday start to the weekend rotation of Cole Klecker and Chase Burns. Like I wouldn't hate that. No, that not at all. Feels, yeah, that feels unfair. Um, and I mean, you add, you add, you add the, the, so they've got another kid committed. I think I mentioned him on the last yeah. podcast, San yeah. Diego to Palomar junior college committed to TCU. His name is Kyle Carr. He's currently, I think the 171st overall prospect in this year's MLB draft. So there's some questions on whether or not he makes it to campus. But I mean, if you're going into 2024, fully hypothetical, of course, saying Chase Burns, Cole Klecker, Kyle Carr, and you, you know, that's a, a righty that throws 102, a righty that has elite command and good rise on his low 90s fastball with a slider that will bend your knees, and a lefty that throws mid 90s with a, a not not a Lodolo Ben Abel's arm angle, but still got a lot of run on his fastball. Uh, uh, you know, a lefty that throws that hard is uh, challenging for a lot of hitters. Um, that, that, I mean, that has the potential to be one of the best weekend rotations in the country next year, if that all comes to fruition. Well, you, it, you still have Ben Hampton sitting out there too, who's mm-hmm. been, a, been an ace, been a Friday yeah, night I mean, starter. Yeah, you're and talking about yeah, Ben Hampton. You're talking about, all right, Ben Abelt, is he going to stay in, in the, in the bullpen? Uh, Louis Rodriguez, if he's healthy, yeah. uh, you've got Caden Parker coming back from Tommy John, yeah. who's supposedly going to be healthy. You've got Storm Hireholzer coming back from surgery. who's going to be healthy. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a full, 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 full list of pitchers going into 2024 that would have this thing set up pretty nicely. Yeah. Pretty nicely indeed. And that's not even talking about Chase Hoover, Braden Sloan, right? Cohen Fieser. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the talent, the arm talent that Kirk Sarlos, uh, John Delora and the rest of the, the coaching staff have been able to bring in over the last couple of years has been absolutely insane. Uh, absolutely insane. Well, and if you're gearing up to be a top 10 pick and you're a pitcher and you're a pitcher that's struggling a little bit with your control on your third and fourth pitches, not a bad place to go to to a guy that's literally seen it all and has developed some of the you know, the, the best, the best pitchers to get into the draft and guys that have elevated themselves to major leagues in a reasonable amount of time in Kirk Sarlis. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, something to watch, obviously nothing set in stone. We're far from even being able to make predictions, but if the minute he enters the portal, I'm, I'm sure Kirk Sarlis is going to be on the phone ready to, to make a phone call. Um, you know, you mentioned that Chase Burns is, is a, a, intended to be a top 10 draft pick in 2024. There's a kid for TCU that, that has kind of maybe climbed his way up into the top 10 for this year's MLB mm-hmm. draft. Um, Jamie, do you know how many position players from TCU have been drafted in the first round of the major league baseball draft? I know this because I saw Martin Martin's tweet yep. earlier today. Uh, I did not know it before that. So shout out to Martin Sultan of stat on Twitter. I spelled it wrong. I'm vamping right now as I spell it right. I did. I I did. I did know this kind of tangentially coming into that tweet, but it did confirm it for me. The answer, Jamie, is zero. Zero. The highest, the highest APC player has ever been drafted period is um number seven with Nick Lodolo. We all remember that. It wasn't that long ago. Martin mm-hmm. did some great work to give us the highest ever position player drafted. I had never heard this person's name before. Um, <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, and I think it was number number 29, which mm-hmm. back then there were not 30 MLB teams. So that was in the in the uh second round. In 1966, uh, Ronnie Paul. Even before my time. Um barely. Braden Taylor, <laughs> it, yeah, hey. <laughs> hey, um, Bray, you can't even see the grays that bad today. So, you know, leave me right. be. Um, uh, Braden Taylor in the latest ESPN mock draft, they have him going number six. So that would make him the first position player ever to be drafted in the first round out of TCU. It would also make him TCU's highest drafted player ever mm-hmm. in history. Um, the only negative, and I, I don't want to, you know, negate a, an excitement for a kid to go in the top 10. Uh, currently slotted to pick sixth are the Oakland A's. And mm-hmm. listen, I know everybody thinks they're going to Vegas and they've seen these renderings of the stadium and that everything's going to be fine, but they're a long way from securing that Vegas deal. There are a lot of moving pieces that, that need to happen. Um, if you guys have ever, ever listened to David Sampson, the former president of the Marlins, he's got a great podcast called, called Nothing Personal. He did a, a great kind of piece on why this is not necessarily a done deal yet. Um, and there is not a worse professional venue in the entirety of North America than where the Oakland A's currently play. So I do mm-hmm. think that they will be moving. I think it's an absolute travesty, not that they're leaving that literal 
crap hole because there literally is sewage water running through that stadium. But the way that it's gone down and the fact that the the owners won't invest in the stadium because they want to leave and they want to go to Vegas and, and milk that cash cow. Mm-hmm. Um, but of all the places for a TCU player to go, uh, Oakland has got to be at the bottom of my list because of how poorly that franchise is being managed right now. But it'd be really cool to see Braden Taylor drafted in the top 10 um, and have that opportunity to to kind of put himself in the record books even more for TCU. Look, I, I don't think BT would be complaining too much about getting taken sixth overall by yeah. the A's because um, I believe, I see, uh, sixth overall, the slot value for that position is $6.6 million. That's so, um, you know, is Oakland the best franchise right now? No, but most of the teams picking in the top 10 aren't doing very well outside of the Rangers, really. Um, and the Reds currently doing doing pretty well. But, you know, I, I think, uh, I mean, this is kind of the fulfillment of what we've expected from Braden Taylor since he stepped foot on campus as an under-recruited kid out of Utah when he got on campus and you're like, Oh, that kid's got a pretty smooth swing uh, from the left side of the plate. Oh, that kid's got a pretty strong arm from third base. He doesn't miss a lot of balls. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes over there either. Oh, he's, he's making really good contact. Oh, he's got some power, some pop to the bat as well. Um, This is a kid who, I mean, he is, uh, I've seen him. I've seen that mock. I've seen him mocked at nine to the Rockies. I've seen him mocked at uh, 12 to the diamondbacks and 13 to the Cubs, 18 to the brewers, 20 to the blue Jays, right? Like, uh, you you can pretty much find a mock draft out there that has Braden Taylor anywhere from six to twenty. Um, he is a he is a he's going to go in the first round, so he will be the first player, uh, knock on wood, to, to the first position player to be taken first over or in the first round for for TCU. But um, it is really cool to see a kid do everything the right way have the success that you were hoping he would have on the field and then some right setting home run records for TCU yeah. uh, now getting potentially rewarded as, as you hope he's rewarded by being a, a high draft pick in the first round of the MLB draft. Uh, you know, we talked about recruiting momentum a lot and on field success leading to recruiting success for football. This is one of those things that leads to recruiting success for baseball as well. The more frequently that TCU is putting guys in the league, the more frequently, I mean, they've won back-to-back Big 12 tournaments now. They just made it to Omaha, right? So the on-field success, the on-field product is there. Uh, the freshman recruiting class is there, convincing a guy like Anthony Silva to, to pull his yeah. name out of the draft and, and come to TCU for a couple of years before he's eligible. Um, all of that stuff's already rolling, and now you get to put kind of the cherry on top of, hey, look, our third baseman is one of the best players in college baseball, preseason gold spikes candidate preseason big 12 player of the year and now he just went six overall 6.6 million dollars richer um come to tcu right like yeah that's that's the pitch and it it could not i mean no matter where he ends up 6 20 whatever it couldn't be happening to a better human being than brayden taylor it's just really really cool to see it's awesome yeah and listen like i guess for six million bucks i'd probably go play at oakland too but and I mean, um, look, it's not like it's not like the NBA where you're just like on the professional team right away. Right. Yeah. Like he's going to be he's going to go through minor league ball. I, he's one of those guys that strikes me as someone who could rise through the ranks pretty quickly. But yeah. still, right? like he's probably two, three years removed from his professional debut. Yeah. At a lot minimum, can change. And a lot yeah. can change between now and then. Yeah. So we'll be hoping for the best. You know, another guy will be hoping for the best in as he begins his professional uh, uh, career. We were hoping on Friday we'd have some news. We were we were both kind of surprised that Damian Baugh hadn't found a landing spot, but he has found one. He's in a yes. pretty good situation. He's got an opportunity um, to, to play summer league with the Los Angeles Lakers, which, again, as a born and raised Kings fan, kind of makes me want to vomit a little bit. Um <laughs> But we all make sacrifices when we support our Horn Frogs as they venture into the professional ranks. Um, Damien ended up signing what's called an Exhibit 10 contract. I thought you did mm-hmm. a great job um, explaining the two-way contract that Mike Miles signed with the Mavs. Um, exhibit 10 is a little bit different. There's yes. no guaranteed money there, um, but it is a one-year potential minimum value contract, mm-hmm. but one that can be kind of nullified at any time with no cap penalty for the the team that initiates it. So basically what that means is that Dame's going to play summer league with the Lakers. 
Um, and he's going to have a really good shot to make their G League team as well. He can, uh, if, if they can move him to a two-way contract before the regular season starts. So if he plays out of his mind, he impresses some people, you know, if the Lakers have, they still have a two-way to give. He'll have that opportunity. Otherwise, he can kind of stay on that minimum deal, play with the G League team. Um, and, and with the Lakers situation, you know, they're, they're this weird mix of young and old, but they definitely have uh, some opportunities. They have some guys with some injury histories at the guard position. Mm-hmm. They have guys that like to take a lot of days off because they're old and they need to rest. Um, and so I think shout it's, out Anthony it's, Davis. Yeah. Shout out Anthony Davis. Um, and yeah, LeBron took a little time off too, but I, you can't really say anything about LeBron. Um, yeah. So I, I think that, that he's in a pretty good situation. He's going to mm-hmm. play on a good G league team. He's in a good system. Um, he, he's a part of a good program. Uh, I think he'll really have an opportunity for sure to be a part of that, that G league. And I would not be surprised at all if he gets a couple of 10 day contract looks um, with the Lakers or, or potentially another team this year of all the places he could have gone. I mean, that to me seems like one of the better situations as far as actually getting a chance to make it and get a fully guaranteed contract, either, you know, a, a, a two way or, or potentially make a roster somewhere down the line. Yeah, and and this is you you nailed it. I, he, this is a team that he had worked out for a couple of yeah. times already between uh, the end of the season and the draft. And so the Lakers, he was a known commodity for the Lakers. Yeah, um, I think they had already used all of their two way contract slots, which is why he didn't end up in one of those. But an Exhibit Ten contract, you explained it perfectly. One of the cool aspects of it is that even if he is waived, he can still catch on with the G League team. Yeah. And if he's on that G League team for at least sixty days the exhibit 10 contract essentially converts into a $50,000 bonus. So he'll get his G league money, which is roughly $8,000 a month for five months. And then he'd get that $50,000 bonus on top of that uh, as well. So uh, roughly $90,000 there, even if he does end up getting waived, if he makes it onto that G league team for at least two months time. Um, And if it's converted into a two-way contract before the regular season starts, he gets the two-way contract money, which is 50% of a rookie minimum, so roughly $460,000. And the Exhibit 10 also converts into a $50,000 bonus, that up to $50,000 at that point as well. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, every time he's gotten an opportunity to do more, has yeah. been really successful at it, right? Like the, the leap he made from Memphis to TCU as far as what he was responsible for on the court was massive. I mean, he was kind of a corner 3 and D guy really playing a lot off the ball. And then he got to TCU and was like, Oh, by the way, you're like our co-point guard. Now you're co yeah. your co-leader of this thing, you and Mike. Uh, and he thrived, he turned the ball over. Yes. A little bit, but really thrived scoring off the dribbles, scoring, pulling up, distributing the ball. He was by far the TCU's best distributor for the last two seasons um, to give a guy like him with his work ethic and his motivation, an opportunity is pretty much giving a guy a, a pathway to success because much like Kenrich Williams betting on himself, much like the work that Desmond Bain put in to be a no star to uh, an elite shooter in the league, RJ Nemhard working his way through a two way contract still in the league with the Cavs. This is just kind of another trend that we're seeing with TCU student athletes is you give them an opportunity, they're going to make the most of yeah. it. And I'm really, really hopeful that, that Damien's going to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a tough path, but I think for him, we talked about, you know, he's got a family, he's got a daughter to look out for. It's it's a great opportunity for him to stay stateside and, mm-hmm. and make some money. And 90 grand in El Segundo, if he plays for the G League team, not great, but it's a, it's a starting point, not, not a bad yeah. place to be. Um, so yeah, I, but yeah, I mean, these... What Jamie Dixon does isn't just recruit talent. He recruits character. And you see that character kind of borne out when those guys get the opportunity at the next level. Um, so many success stories, so many guys that that were never supposed to have that chance, not not just making the league, but making it, staying in it and, and building, um, you know, a career for themselves, doing what they love. That's that's pretty freaking cool. So I'm happy for Damien. I'm excited. He will be a part of uh, the California Classic, which is a, a little uh, uh, four team uh, mini summer league kickoff that happens in Sacramento, um, July, uh, I think third and fifth. So I'll be out there to watch him on, on the evening of the fifth and get to see him play with the Lakers. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, so I definitely be hoping that he's a guy that, uh, makes most of his opportunity and I expect nothing less. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's just cool to be able to kind of look around all of these different professional leagues, right? NFL, MLB, NBA, NWSL, right? Like all of these different professional leagues in the United States and say, oh, hey, there's a TCU person. Yeah. Oh, hey, there's a TCU person. Yeah. Oh, hey, there's a TCU person. Shout out to uh, Yasmin Ryan, who's killing it yeah. in the NWSL right now. Um, but uh, 
and, and Messiah Bright, who just was a first yeah. round draft pick this year. Um, it's a good time to be a Horn Frog, and it's really cool to see all of the efforts that they're putting forth at TCU having benefits for them at the professional level now yeah. as well. Awesome. Super cool. Super great. Super great. cool. Great for TCU to get to brag on them too. So it's, yes. it makes it makes watching games a lot of fun. With with you know you're going to have somebody to root for on almost every roster across the you know several sports. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know I think that'll just about do it though for um, this this episode of Frogs Insider. As Florida just hit a home run to to only be down eight now in the seventh inning, um, but that'll do it for this episode of Frogs Insider. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, make sure that you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, follow us on Twitter. Melissa is at the coach. Melissa, I'm at frog preacher. Don't forget to use that frogs in 15 code at homefieldapparel.com for 15% off of all the best college merchandise you could possibly ask for. And until we talk to you next time, go frogs. Go frogs.